Okay, guys, we are in uh, Acts chapter 10. We're going to look at lesson 22 today. Acts chapter 10, lesson 22. We're going to talk about the Gentiles coming to faith. Now, last week we saw the preparation for the work. We saw how the Lord was preparing Peter. And I think you understand why he had to be prepared. He's a Jew. What kind of interaction did Jews have with Gentiles? No. Okay, none. They avoided them. For fear of being contaminated. Do you realize that you are a contaminating presence here? Do you realize that? Because of what you eat and the things that you do. Do you know what I'm saying? They would consider you unclean. So, we're going to talk today. Let's talk about the visitors now. Okay, Peter's had the vision. Three, t- Several times he's seen this vision. So while... When the vision ends, guess what happens? It's almost, it's a God thing, okay? Look with me, verse 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision that he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made an inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek, and for what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God, and who has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by the holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in, and they lodged there. And on the next day... Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. them. Some brethren from Joppa accompanied them. Now, let's take a look at this. We're going to look here, the visitors. As Peter wondered about the vision, the visitors came to the house looking for him. Now, isn't that amazing about the timing of God? He has this vision. He's trying to ponder what this vision means. While he has this vision, knock at the door. Now, is that just a coincidence? No, no, it isn't, and you're going to see that it's not. So as Peter wondered about the vision, visitors came to the house looking for him. The Spirit tells Peter to not hesitate and go with the three men who are seeking him. The Spirit tells him, there's three men, you're to go with him, don't doubt, and... Go with them. Now, I just think, to me, this is the most amazing portion of Scripture. You say, what? What are you talking about here? Why? Well, look at a couple things here. I'm gonna, two things stand out for me here. Look at what the Spirit tells Peter in verse 20. Arise, go down with them, and the next phrase, doubting nothing. Why do you think the Spirit had to tell him that? Why do you think the Spirit had to tell him, don't doubt anything? 
still dealing with Gentiles, and he's still, what, a, what, a Jew, a very devout Jew, a believing Jew. Now, Peter is having a doubting moment. Like, do I really need, because this is so against the grain of who he is and what he's been taught, right? Now, let me just stop for a moment. So God sometimes works out of the box, doesn't he? Doesn't he? See, that's where we've got to be flexible, though, about, you know. So God sometimes works out of the box. Okay, second thing I want you to see there. God's out of the box. Look at how he, the doubting issue. Here's the second thing. What kind of relationship does it take to have with God to be able to know it's the Spirit of God talking to you? Think about it for a moment. How does Peter get to the place that the Spirit speaks to him, tells him, don't doubt, go with them, I sent these men, and he just does it. He just, boom, does it. How does does Peter get to that place? I mean, think about that for a moment. How does he get there? Okay, experience. Okay, that's good. That's part of the answer, Bruce. Anybody else? His faith, but faith alone doesn't get you to the place where you recognize God's voice and respond. Not desperation, because he's not desperate. Would you be desperate to go somewhere where you don't want to go? Oh, I really want to go there, Lord. You know, <laughs> be with people that I never hang out with. You know, no, that's not it. What do you think it is? Okay, here's what I'm. Here's what I want you to understand. Bruce's answer is part of the answer. It is experience. He has experience in knowing the voice of God. Now, how do you get the experience? How do you get the experience? Yeah, you spend time with him so that you become sensitive to hearing his voice. Do you understand what I'm saying? You spend time with him so that you become sensitive to hearing his voice. So I want you to hear me. We did a whole, if you want to go back and listen to the Listening for God series, do that. But the the point is, I want you to see, is God will speak to you. But you have to learn how to hear him. And the only way that you learn how to hear him is by spending time with him. Now notice, if you go back to the beginning of chapter 10, why is Peter on the roof? Well, and he's not resting, but he's praying, yes. Praying, he's spending time with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's the lesson in that. There's a powerful lesson in that for us. Now, let's go on. Peter greets the visitors as they tell him Cornelius' instructions. Now, again, I want you to notice the phrase there. When they talk about who Cornelius is, They say he's a just man, and then notice the next phrase, one who fears God. They identify him as a God-fearer. Now, does anybody know why that's a significant thing to say? Because we're going to see that phrase, that phrase in different ways throughout the rest of the book now. God-fearers, they're called God-fearers. Does anybody know why? A God-fearer was a Gentile who embraced 
the faith of Judaism, the God of Judaism, but did not submit themselves to the law. In particular, they maybe would submit themselves to the dietary law, but they would not submit themselves to... Anybody want to take a guess what they didn't want to submit themselves to? Males, yes, circumcision. That was just a little too radical, okay? Just a little too radical for the, for the Gentiles, for the Romans, for any of the Gentiles. So God-fearers, we're going to see this, because you'll see that the God-fearers are in the synagogue. Why are they in the synagogue? Hearing God's word, because they believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in the God of Israel. And they, too, were anticipating the Messiah coming. But they did not want to take the next steps to become a proselyte, to become a Jew, do you understand? Which meant that if you were a male, you'd have to be circumcised. That was just too much for them. Let's go on now. So on the next day, Peter and some believers from Joppa went with the visitors. So on the next day, Peter and some believers went from Joppa to visit them. Now, Joppa, just so you know, if you look at a map today in Israel, it's Jaffa. If you read, if you ever heard of Jaffa, in, it's near Tel Aviv, the port city of Jaffa, whenever you listen to the news, that is the biblical city of Joppa. Okay, so Jaffa is J-A-F-F-A, okay? Same city, so it's an ancient city, and uh, it's in Israel even to this day. It's a seaside port, okay? Now, let's go on. Let's look now at verse 24 through 48. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is For a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner, by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately... And you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. 
But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace throughout, through Jesus Christ, God is Lord of all, that you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are all witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on the tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, Whoever believes in him will receive remission of their sins. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord as they asked him to stay a few days. Okay, and just we're not going to be able to get through all of this today, but we're going to get through parts of it so that you understand what's going on. This is outside of Pentecost. Pentecost is the church starting as the Holy Spirit came down. Everybody agrees Pentecost is a significant event. The Holy Spirit comes. This, Acts chapter 10, I would say is the next significant event because it impacts you and I personally. Why? Because it shows us that the salvation, the new covenant, was not just for Jews. It was for who? All of us. Aren't you glad for that? Because... If the Spirit did not come, we would have no hope. Jesus would have only come for the Jews then. Okay? So let's go through this. Peter meets Cornelius. Cornelius gathered his friends and relatives as he waited for Peter. So here's Cornelius. He knows, okay, I'm getting Peter. The angel told me to do that. You think he's impacted by what's going on and he knows that something special is happening? What would you do? Would you invite everybody you know to show up to be a part of it? Yeah. So he invites his friends and his family. Okay? You say he's a Roman soldier on duty in Israel. Do you mean his family was with him? Yes. Back then, when soldiers were garrisoned somewhere, they brought their families with them. Now, Cornelius greeted Peter by worshiping him, but Peter stopped him. So the first thing, Peter comes in, a natural reaction, angel tells you, go get this guy. You're thinking, this must be some special dude, which is common in their culture. The guy drops to worship him, but Peter stops him. 
Peter says, wait a minute, hold on, I'm just like you, I'm a dude, okay? I'm a guy, all right? Now, because of the Gentiles, Peter tells Cornelius that it is unlawful for him to be there. The religious laws of the Jews forbid them from being with Gentiles. You, they would not go in your home. Do you understand? They would not go in your home. This is very significant that he's saying this here. All right. However, Peter came to Cornelius because of what God taught him through the vision. Do you think Peter's catching what the vision is now? Remember the vision? Don't call what is unclean what I've called clean. You think he's grasping that? Yep. It's had an impact on him. So much so that he's going now. He's realizing there's a God thing going on here. Okay? God thing. I mean, Peter's not wondering, what in the world's going on? No, he's figuring it out, folks. He's figuring it out. Now, Cornelius tells Peter that he was instructed in his vision of an angel. So Cornelius says, look, I got these instructions to come get you because of this angel coming to see me. So here's Peter's message. Peter stated that God is not partial and accepts all who fear him. God is not partial and accepts all who fear him. Throughout the scripture, whether it's Peter saying it here, Paul in his writing through his epistles, throughout the Old Testament, especially when you read through Proverbs, especially when you read through Psalms, there is a truth that comes out that you and I need to grasp. God shows no partiality. He doesn't favor anyone. He doesn't favor you any more than he favors the unsafe person in Kerwinsville. Do you understand? He shows no partiality. You and I need to grasp that. He doesn't show any more favor to America than he does Zimbabwe. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then he does Germany. So you got to be careful of what rhetoric you're listening to. There's only one nation that belongs to him, that's Israel. Do you understand? The rest of us are Gentiles. God states he's not partial and he accepts all who fear him. Here's the other thing. Peter tells them that they know the message that Jesus Christ preached in Israel. I mean, obviously, he's going to go there and he's going to say, I mean, if Cornelius has been around any amount of time, he's heard about who Jesus Christ is, right? I mean, seriously, Jesus, he's up in Galilee area. He would have known who Jesus is. He would have heard about Jesus. He would have heard the miracles. He would have heard the message. He may have even come in contact with Jesus. How do you know that? Well, because the Gospels tell us that at certain times Jesus came in contact with centurions. It doesn't tell us their names. Could have been, could have been Cornelius. We don't know that. That would be speculation. But Peter is saying to him, look, you know the message that Jesus Christ preached in Israel. Okay, let's go on. Peter reminds them of Jesus' spirit-empowered ministry that he is a witness of. So Peter reminds them of all the miracles that he that Jesus did in, in, in all through Israel that everybody was talking about. How do you know everybody was talking about it? Because everybody came from all over Israel to Jesus. Because they were wanting to experience the miracles. 
Then he goes on and he says, Peter testifies to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, Cornelius probably would have heard, because he's Roman, that he was executed, that Jesus was executed. You agree with that? All right. Now, he may have heard a rumor that the body was missing. What's the official line that they gave as far as why the body was missing? Anybody remember what the official line was? Yeah, that the disciples stole him. But here now is Peter saying to Cornelius, we saw him alive. He's testifying to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the witnesses for Jesus Christ. Peter proclaimed that he was to preach that Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead. Stop for a moment. Thing you and I need to remember. What's that, George? It's okay to have this concept of Jesus being your friend. And it's okay to have this concept of Jesus being closer than a brother and Jesus loving you. But you also have to remember something else about Jesus. Jesus is the one who sits on the great white throne in Revelation chapter 21 and executes judgment over all humanity. There's something more you've got to grasp about your Jesus. That he's the judge of the living and the dead. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, he's your friend. Yes, he loves you. But he's also God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he doesn't remove himself from that. Okay? Doesn't remove himself from that. Then here's what I want you to see. The prophets bear witness through belief in Jesus Christ there is remission of sin. So once again, the message here is it's always the same. Who Jesus is, he's God, he's the judge, but then also through Jesus, through his sacrifice, is the remission of sin. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. Okay. Think for a moment about this week. This week we just had. This Sunday, think about this last week, okay? Did you sin this week? Did you? Okay, I want you to think about your sin. What kind of stuff are you carrying? Don't, I don't want you to tell me it. We're not going to have share time, okay? We're not interested in you sharing, okay? But I want you to think about, think about the sins you carried this week. You carry them, don't they? You wish you could change them. You wish you could go back and, and do it again. You wonder why do you keep giving into the same ones? Because if you look back, there's always a pattern, maybe, same ones, okay? Why do I keep having, here's what I want you to understand. How do you get rid of them? Can you get rid of them? Can you get rid of your sin? Can you? Uh, Jesus can, but can you physically, can you do something to get rid of your stuff? No, we're helpless. Through belief. Now the word belief there is more than what we mean it to be here. Here we mean it simply as some sort of mental assent. It's more, it's a commitment, it's a trust. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's it's believing in with all of your heart and committing your life to it. That's what the word belief here is. It's a life-changing thing. Through belief in Jesus Christ, there is a what? Remission of sin. There's the removal of sin from your life. 
He's the one who removes it from your life. And he's telling that to Cornelius. He's the one who judges the living and the dead. And you've got this sin issue. And immediately, as soon as you realize that, he's going to judge me. Oh, what do I do about my stuff? But trust in him. And he'll take it from you. Did you understand what I'm saying? He removes it from you. He removes it from you. So the prophets bear witness that through belief in Jesus Christ, there is remission of sin. Remission of sin. Now, verse 44 through 48 talks about the Spirit's presence. And that's where we're going to spend the last remainder of our time. Let me read these verses to you. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water? that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. All right, so let's go through this. This is significant. This is a significant thing, but also from this can come some wrong teaching, so I need to help you through this, okay? First of all, as... Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles who had heard the word. All right, I, I think this is amazing. Peter didn't, this is like the, un, you don't get to finish your sermon. This is one of those times where he didn't finish his sermon. Because while he's speaking, the Spirit of God falls on the place onto the Gentiles. So let's stop for a moment. Who's in charge here? Is it Peter? No, Peter would have been, excuse me, I've got three more points. Got to get through my points and my challenge. It doesn't even get to that place. Why? Because as he's speaking and he's sharing, they, listen to me, believe. And the moment they believe, what happens? Spirit of God comes upon them. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Some folks will say, pick this passage and they'll say, well, there, here you go, George. Everybody who believes should experience the gift of tongues. Okay, wait a minute. Remember now, we're dealing with a historical book. And number two, there's a reason why this event took place. The text tells us why. Do you understand? The text tells us why. This is not normative, meaning it's not for everyone, but it's specific here. Because if you think about the last two times it happened, think about in Acts, as we've studied, when's the first time it happened? Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, right? Okay. When's the next time it happened? I don't remember, George. Okay. Philip was preaching to who? Samaritans. Remember? And Peter came up, and they received the Holy Spirit. Why was that significant? Because it was a testimony to the Jews that God had saved the Samaritans. Because again, what's the attitude of the Jews towards the Samaritans? 
hated them. In fact, how much did they hate them? They would, if you were going to go to Galilee, you wouldn't go straight through Samaria. You would go around Samaria for fear of being contaminated. See, God had to show the Jews that he accepts those who are getting saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he had to show that the Samaritans are being accepted. Now he's got to show who's being accepted. Gentiles. So that's why you got to be careful about saying that this is normative for everybody. Normative. It's not. It's for a specific purpose in the book of Acts. Now, there are some things we can look at if we ever go through 1 Corinthians. We've done it through in the past. Maybe we can do it in the future. We can talk about tongues, but that'll be another time. Here I'm talking about in this instance right here, okay? So, as Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles who heard the word. The Jews who came with Peter were amazed that the Gentiles were speaking in tongues. So guess whose attention got caught? The Jews. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because they would have thought there's no way this is going to happen. All right, let me just stop for a moment. This is why it's significant. When we get into chapter 11 next week, we're going to see that Peter is confronted by the Jews in Jerusalem. And when he tells them about what happened here, about the Holy Spirit coming upon them and and how he manifested himself, the scripture records that they were silent and then glorified God. Why? Because they had to consider the reality that God saves other people than just like you. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is what's going on here. So the Jews who came with Peter were amazed that the Gentiles were speaking in tongues. Let me just stop for a moment. Isn't God, God, man, you ever wonder, you ever one times you want, does God know everything that's going on and has he figured out what needs to happen? You better believe it. Because think about this. If it had just been Peter there, and he didn't take anybody else with him, and this happened, and it was just Peter, and he gets confronted in Jerusalem, who's going to believe him? Do you know what I'm saying? They're going to say, oh, no, you, you, you were just overcome because you were in a place you shouldn't be, and you're, try, you're making this up, Peter. But no, Peter's got what? God provided, God provided what? Witnesses. Do you understand what I'm saying? God provided witnesses to the event that's going on here. This is why those guys are with him. Not just people who are Peter's friends, but people who are also from Joppa. God provided witnesses. So let's go on then. Peter proclaims that they cannot withhold water baptism from those who have the Spirit. Why do you think he's saying this? Why would they withhold water baptism? Why would they even think about that? Would they have done that with a Jew? No. Why would they even, why would he have to say this? We can't withhold water baptism from them. Because it's obvious God's there. Why? Again, here's the reason why. Prejudices. Their attitude towards the Gentiles. Isn't that amazing? This is a significant event in the history of the church. A significant event in the history of the church. So here's what happens. Peter commanded that they be baptized in the name of the Lord. And so they were. 
And folks, aren't you glad? Because if this God had not brought about this event, and if he had not reached out to Gentiles, you and I would have no hope whatsoever. Period. Because we are the wild olive branches that Paul says that were grafted into the tree. We get to share in the blessings of Israel. This is a beautiful passage. Beautiful passage. Now, next week, next week we're going to get into the negative reaction. Negative reaction. Now, here, here, I'm just going to tell you right now, this happens all the time. I've seen it happen. When God does something, when God does something in his church, the response isn't always wonderful. There's always a negative reaction to what God does. And that actually reveals something. We'll talk about that next week. Okay.